Hey, this is take two. Uh, it is Sunday, December 22nd, 2019, 106 in the morning. This is Jonathan Little. Um, oh, sorry, 110 in the morning. This is Jonathan Sebastian Little. I'm recording in my mom's car in the Wendy's parking lot in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Um, if you don't know me, uh, I was a nurse and I stopped working as a nurse in 2017 and I walked from Oklahoma to California with the goal of losing um, a bunch of weight. I started at 400 pounds and I ended at 260 something. Um, I did not get to my goal weight of 170 pounds. Um, I came back to Oklahoma and I gained the weight back. So in August, uh, I started to go cross country again, but on a bicycle and my ex-girlfriend talked me into coming back and I came back and then she didn't want to talk to me anymore. Um, I have a history of getting into bad relationships and um, I, I have to say, honestly, I still love my ex-girlfriend. Um, this girl who I met, we worked together. Um, she was married when we met and she had a divorce and then we were on again, off again for over a year and uh, she went back to her husband or her husband came back to her. Um, I love this woman with my whole heart and it has been hard going through that. Um, and people get tired of hearing about that. So I don't want to talk about that too much. Um, I had started this podcast in the summertime. I recorded a bunch of episodes and then I deleted a bunch of episodes because, um, they were all talking about that. And I don't want to go into that anymore because it was boring and depressing and stuff. So, um, I had to kind of reboot after August. I didn't do much from then until November on November 1st. I pulled my shit together or I started to pull my shit together and I decided, okay, I need to get up and I need to move on with my life. Um, I don't know if I'll ever hear from that person again. I love her, but she doesn't love me the same way and I need to be alive. And if she ever chooses to try to have a relationship with me again, a healthy relationship, I need to be healthy to receive that love. So... I started working on myself again. First step was starting to exercise again. So I started walking, walked two miles every single day. Um, I started lifting weights again. Um, and then on November, I had went to the McDonald's and I know some people were like, oh, don't go to McDonald's. Well, I didn't go there to eat. Um, I went there for the Wi-Fi because Wendy's doesn't open till 10 in the morning. And I like to get up early. I usually get up by five and I'm in McDonald's by six or 5.30 and I start working on a book. And I wrote a book, uh, it's a science fiction book called Joe. And the book is, it's not a long book. Uh, I think it's about 200 pages. I finished it December 6th and I got it up on Amazon for sale. And I, I really, the whole point of Joe was to just write something that wasn't about my life in some way. It, it didn't take parts of my life, really. It was just me kind of daydreaming a story. Um, I like zombie stories, 
and I like alien abduction stories. So I blended those and I added some elements of romance because I like romance. Um, my favorite romance movie was Brokeback Mountain. Go ahead and laugh if you want to. But um, as I reboot this podcast, um, I thought of different formats that I can do. Um, keeping in consideration, I don't have a guest most of the time. And I really am not well equipped to interview someone uh, as far as like having microphones and all that stuff. Um, I will be finishing another book soon. Um, well, let's go back to, to Joe. I wrote Joe, finished it December 6th, and I had told a lot of people that I was going to leave as soon as that was finished and published. And my idea, and I hate to say this, you know, I haven't worked since um, July. So my idea with Joe was that I could get it up online and start selling copies of this book so that when I got to California, I would have a little bit of money. It has been difficult to sell copies of this book. Um, it's difficult for people to look it up on Amazon. Uh, basically, the easiest way is for someone to have the link and get it from me or from someone that I know. So we're going like one-to-one, -one, almost like door-to-door -door selling this book. So it's really hard. I'm not, I'm not making much money from this book right now. Um, I've had complaints about the book, about uh, the little errors and spelling and grammar and stuff like that. That's my second book, and it's, it's better than the first book, but I'm still developing as a writer. Um, I think, you know, if you're just grabbing books to read just to kill time, it's, it's perfect. It's fine for that. Um, I, I wanted to write something that got me out of my head and away from thinking about my ex-girlfriend. During the course of writing this book, she contacted me one time um, in November, and uh, we, we didn't talk much. I mean, it was a few sentences exchanged, and then she blocked me. And then I had a day, about a day, maybe two days, where she had me back in that zone of me questioning my worth me questioning my value and that was bad that's not a good that's not a good thing for me to question i mean you can i think it is good at some point to question yourself but i think that you need to make that determination of what you're worth before anybody else does and without regards to what other people think so um i I was questioning that because she discarded me again the way she did. And I allowed her to do that. To do that. Um, after I finished Joe in, uh, on December 6th, I had some friends and family, family talking about the book, being very encouraging. But I was being realistic. It wasn't going to generate the kind of uh, money that I would need like when I get to California to... Um, maybe buy some clothes, uh, ticket back to Oklahoma so I could get resituated when I come back. Um, I started working on another book and I had worked on this book earlier and this was a revision, a complete revision of this book. It's the third revision. I deleted the other copy and completely started from scratch. 
uh, with the story and I'm reshaping the story. Um, I'm about 55 pages into this book. It's called the Santa Carina Express. And I don't know how to describe it other than like a, a drug, a drug drama, kind of like train spotting or, um, uh, Requiem for a Dream. Uh, it's a drug story. Um, it started as a romance, but, uh, it, it's going in a different direction. It's not done yet. I'm only about 25% done with this book. So it's going to change more as I write further into it. Um, as far as Joe, it is a, it's for sale. It's on Amazon. It's $10 for a paperback and seven, excuse me, seven fifty for the ebook. Um, it's going to be part of a series. It's going to be an origin story. It's going to be kind of a big, a big thing. And it's going to be kind of my way of getting out of habits, uh, for my writing, uh, habits that I don't like. Um, I hope that it becomes what I want it to be. And that's, that's really up to me. And I like that the determination for what that book becomes is, is solely up to me. Um, my plan again, after this book that I'm working on the Santa Carina express is to get that book also posted online. And then beginning my second attempt to start walking and lose weight. Now, I don't want to get into all this stuff where people are like, where are you going? What's your destination? Because again, my destination is a state of mind, a state of health. I want to be healthy. The whole goal uh, back in August and, and now when I go back out is for me to physically be healthy again. Emotionally, I've had to work every day towards being more emotionally stable, emotionally healthy. Um, I would say right now, I want to say that I'm happy. My impulse is to say I'm happy right now, but I know there are things that I want and there are still things I want to be, but I do, I do feel pretty good about myself despite the fact that I am obese. You know, I've been dumped. I'm, I don't have a job. My hair is long and greasy right now, but as far as esteem, I feel very good about myself. And I think for me, the fact that I am working on something that's important to me, I feel like it has value. I feel like later it will have value for my family, uh, my son, my mother, my sisters. Um, possibly if I have a wife later, it, it's going to support them later. Uh, this is the very early stages of a writing career. I'm 40, I'm going to be 40 years old. So when I come out and I'm 40 years old, I will have three books. They're not great books by any means, but they are honest as far as like an effort that a new author is putting out. And they're rushed, you know, that they're compromised in some ways, but as I write more and I become more comfortable 
and get into a groove and and hopefully become successful as a writer, as a comedian, as a podcaster, the the quality of what I can produce will become more more fine, more refined. Um, I had I have a lot of weird beliefs. I don't know if you know me. I believe in the law of attraction where if you are attracted to um, happiness, if you're attracted to health, if you're attracted to money, if you're attracted to drugs, uh, negativity, positivity, that's what's going to mostly pervade your life. Um, I've tried to steer my, my mind because I tend to naturally to be very depressed and I saw a lot of that was my upbringing. Uh, I was just, it was just a part of the way my mindset was trained as a child. So I've been moving away from that. And it's, it's hard, it's day-to-day work, but I don't, now I don't, I don't let it stop for a day. I don't let it stop for an hour because I know I, it's so easy for me to slip back into a mode where I just give up. And I don't want to do that. I have a son who is not getting to see me because of money and the way his mother is. And there's no, there's nothing that can be done by me or him to alleviate that problem. And if I had been more aggressive with money or in court, um, if I hadn't been trying to appease her, years ago, I wouldn't be in this situation. My son wouldn't be in that situation. And I had this friend that she said that she's unhappy with her life. And I'm completely switching gears here. This is not about me. This is about someone else. Um, and I see this person and I, I really care about this person, but I've tried to help them again and again and again. I've invested a lot into giving her the the money, the time, the energy, the support for her to change her life. And she she is very capable. She's hardworking, she is smart, but she reverts back to the, that negative uh, mindset when she gets tired, when she has people from her past um, around her too much. And I know, like, if your family is is part of your problem, then you're in a bad spot because sometimes you can't just dump your family. I mean, I mean, you can ultimately choose to abandon your family. But, you know, if you're a woman and you abandon your kids, oh, there's going to be hellfire to pay. Uh, if you're a dad, you know, you abandon your kids, you, you're going to have financial troubles for the rest of your life. So that's not always an option for people. Um, this this person uh, asked me what she could do about anxiety. And I started to tell her what I did for anxiety and what I think works for anxiety. And I'll tell you what I told her. I said... 
you're going to die. And she says, I know. And I said, well, when you realize that and you accept that and you make peace with that, nothing else should bother you. And she said, well, what about other people, how they feel about things? And I said, it's the same thing. They are going to die as well. There's nothing we can do to change that. We need to accept that. They need to accept that. So in between that fact and the reality that you're living, you can do anything. You can make the best of that time by planting a garden, exercising, reading books, laughing. You can choose to numb yourself by using drugs or watching television or eating too much. Or maybe you can make love, make music, make art, build fantastic things that help people. But it's your choice. We didn't get that far into it. And honestly, what stopped me from going that far into it was that I know that right now at you know midnight on a Saturday in December at the end of the year after not seeing this person for months she's not ready to hear what I'm saying she's not ready to do what I'm saying and I was at a loss and I felt bad and I thought about you know she can look at me and she can see me I'm fat uh, my hair's all long and stringy and nasty. Uh, I don't have a car. I don't, I'm living with my mom. And you can look at those things and think, well, John's fucked up. I'm a mess. And I am a mess. But if you've ever seen land after a forest fire, when the little trees sprout up, I'm a little tree sprout right now. You know, and you can still see all the ash around me and all the charcoal and all the wreckage and dismay. But this new thing is growing up. This strong thing is strengthened by all that wreckage and carnage around it. That's what I am. And right now, it's so small you could walk past it and never notice it. But in a year, you're going to notice it. In two years, more people will notice it. In three years, it'll be undeniable something is happening. You know, in 20 years, hopefully I've established something that will last long enough to, I don't know, at least make my son proud. Um, Squirt gave me some money for boots. And I reached in my pocket and I felt something as a piece of paper and it felt, you know how money feels? It felt like money. So I pulled it out. It was a hundred dollar bill. And I thought of my mom first. I didn't know if she would do that. And then I asked Squirt and Squirt's like, no, I didn't do it. I said, come on. Come on, really? And, and finally, Squirt said, yeah, I did it. So I said, thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm going to, I'm going to keep this. And, and she laughed and um, put it in my pocket. 
And I wanted to say, you know, all the things that we've done for each other. And I don't know if you're going to hear this squirt. If you're listening to this podcast um, at 2 to 3 a.m., it says my calendar just did something. Okay. Sorry, squirt. Um, everybody's listening to this podcast. Squirt used to be my best friend, and I wish we could be best friends again for the rest of my life. Um, she was on this one episode of the podcast, and she did not want to be on it. Um, <laughs> um, if I could tell you face to face, maybe I will before I go. I don't know. Out of all the things we've done together, all the times we've shared, all the all the little goofy things that we've done and, and all that, the biggest thing that you have done for me is make me feel like I am worthy of being loved again. Because that was something I lost after my wife left me. And, and to tell you the truth... I was an asshole when I was married because I was unhappy and I blamed her for for the things that I, I thought she was doing to make me unhappy. And I'm not going to get into all that other than to just say that really I just wasn't brave enough to ever stay away from her. Really, I was I was dependent on having sex with her and feeling like um, I don't know the sense of I was better than her because I was better than her. She was an asshole and she was mean and selfish and you know she she was dumb and and just really crass. And I thought, well, I'm not those things, so I'm better than her. But I knew that wasn't right. And I started to hate myself, I think. This is just my theory on why I hated myself in that relationship is because I was the ugliest version of who I could be. And I started to have these feelings where I was always mad at someone who I claimed that I loved. And I didn't want to be that kind of person, but that's who I was. She made me mad all the time. And she made me feel like I had no value, like nothing I said mattered. And she would hide me. I was a secret. She was embarrassed to be around me, but she would still show up at night. And I still let her come into my apartment because I had low self-esteem. But anyways, I don't want to be like that anymore. I, I don't know, like with my ex-girlfriend, that's over. And if it ever starts again, it has to be a different thing. It has to be going to counseling. And it has to be healthy. It has to be being able to talk about anything. There can't be 
a feeling of I must hide this aspect of my life because she or he is going to get mad or she or he's going to judge me or or we'll question each other or we won't trust each other after we talk about something I don't want that I love I love that person so much and I would bend so much for that person to be what she wanted me to be but I think what she needs me to be is that man that walked across the desert because he loved someone that man that wrote that book in November that's what she needs me to be she needs me to be the man who's going back out in the desert and crossing it and The man who's going to give up soda pop and refined sugars and write books and help people. She needs me to be that so that she can step away and stop being the the toy, the the pet, the the livestock of her ex-husband. And she's better than that. And she knows she is. She used to ask me why why I loved her. Why did I feel that way that I loved her? Why did I feel like I, I wanted her in my life? And I told her, I love you because you are the strongest woman I've ever known. When I found that out, I was writing a book and she popped into my mind while I'm writing and I stopped and I sat there and thought about her and I thought about the answer to that question because it was hard for me to answer it. I would always say, I don't know, I'm not sure. It wasn't just because she was beautiful It wasn't just because she was funny. It wasn't just because I enjoyed being around her. It wasn't because of the amazing sex. It wasn't because she's a good cook. To me, I saw those times when she went through amazing difficulty. She got back up. And I hadn't known a woman that had been through those things, had been through difficulties like she had, and got back up and kept trying, and got back up and kept trying, and got back up and kept trying. If you know someone like that in your life, see what you can learn from them. Anyways, um, I'm going to end this section and I'm going to do the next section. Uh, Thank you. My name is Jonathan Little. This is the John 427 podcast. Um, Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. We're going to do section two in a moment. Hey. (laughs) That's funny.
Sorry, um, texted somebody. This is Jonathan Little. This is the second segment of the John 427 podcast. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast thus far, this is the reboot. Um, reboot. I am going to read you a little bit of my new book, Joe. Now, as I said, this is a science fiction book. Um, I'll give you a little bit, uh, a little synopsis. Um, this guy is um, kidnapped. He's a little kid. Him and his mom are kidnapped by aliens so the aliens can look in their butts. Okay? Now, the aliens do some hijinks and it becomes uh, a zombie apocalypse kind of story. Anyways, uh, I'm going to read you a little section um, from the book that is available on Amazon now. Paperback copy is $10, and the uh, the ebook is $7.75, I think. If you have Google Prime or uh, Amazon Prime, I think you can um, read the book for free. Now, I've only got 2% remaining on the battery on my laptop. So, if I can get this thing opened, Google Docs there, Joe, that's the one. Open up some Joe. I use a uh, Samsung Chromebook, and uh, it, uh, I, I like them. They have really good battery life. Um, I didn't charge my battery. I was writing today, and I... Uh, I think I wrote about 10 pages today. Um, I didn't write yesterday. I ended up sleeping all day. I was freaking exhausted. Um, I'm going to read you a few pages from a chapter. And I hope you like it. This chapter is chapter 9. Come on. Sorry, I'm waiting for the computer. Okay, here we are. So I'm going to start reading, and this is from my book that I wrote (laughs) and put on Amazon for people to buy. Uh, Okay, here we go. This chapter is called Katrina. The first place I remember was Caliente, Nevada. I guess I actually remember the word more than the place. I like the sound of Caliente. I was leaving Gunnison when I found out that Caliente means hot. I had a sister. I had a dad. He drank too much, but I love him. My dad liked to have friends over most of the week. I liked listening to the grown-ups talk, and I liked when they paid attention to me. I suppose that wasn't always good. One night, after Dad had passed out, one of his friends was walking around the house. I had just come out of the shower, and I was crossing from the bathroom to my bedroom. I guess he saw me. I stepped through my bedroom door, and he came in about two seconds later. He stood behind me, and I was scared. I didn't turn around. I didn't say or do anything, and I felt him pulling the towel off of me. I stood there naked in front of him. I could hear him breathing, and I could smell the beer and weed on him. 
and he touched my body, and I remember feeling cold and scared. I remember thinking that my dad must be gone, my sister. I remember thinking we were the only people in the house right now. He wouldn't do this if my dad was here. I remember thinking that if I just stayed still, he would leave, but he didn't. He did what he came to do in the room. He stood over me, and I felt dirty. I wanted to go take a shower again. I also didn't want to move. I hoped that he would just walk out. But he must have liked what he was seeing when I was on the floor because he did it again. Now I remember thinking my knees really hurt. So we both heard something in the house. And he got dressed and he went out. And I wiped off my private parts with the towel. I stood up and I turned the light on. I stood there and I felt broken. I felt dirty. I guess the hardest part was feeling that I liked it. I didn't want to tell anyone that, so I'm telling it right now because I don't need to keep it inside anymore. I'm sick now and I'm in and out of consciousness. I feel hot right now. My skin feels like fire and I'm in a different room than my baby. Let me go back. I grew up in Caliente. I went to college, and I wanted to see more. There isn't much in Caliente. It's a tiny town in the middle of nowhere. I didn't there. Sometime I decided that I didn't need a boyfriend. I knew guys would do what I wanted them to do. I just had to learn how to use their lust against them. It wasn't hard. They liked the way I looked. I remember that I could show skin, and they seemed to be fixated on that my bare shoulders or my legs. They tried to pretend that they weren't there. Weren't, but they were. Married, single, young and old. They all looked at me and most wanted me. By the time that I got to Gunnison, it was boring and I was looking into other things that I thought were fun. I liked music and drugs. And it was something that we could all do together, getting high and drunk. I got a job at a pizza place, and I met lots of cool people. The college was small, but there were students from other countries, so that was neat. I made a ton in tips, so I didn't need to get a roommate, but I wanted a girlfriend to keep me company. I let another waitress move in, and we, we had a lot of fun. She read a lot, so sometimes we would read books and get high during the week. We could take leftovers from work, so life was good. I dated a lot of guys there. This one guy was sweet but too quiet. I saw him getting gas one day and he didn't see me. I thought about saying hello, but it might just upset him. See, I dumped him for some other guy. I met this crazy beautiful guy named Joseph Adams. He is funny and loud. I love him so much. He's a sweetheart. We get drunk and party. He was friends with my other boyfriend, and they fought over me. It was so sweet. I was living there in Mac with Joseph, and I got pregnant. He looked like he had just dropped in freezing water. I left the room after I told him. I went to the bathroom, and I sat on the toilet, and I was afraid to ask him to go to the doctor with me. He wasn't ready for a baby. Not really. I think he was going to be a good daddy. He was trying. When all this happened, he was trying. He was doing good at work, and he was helping with the baby sometimes. He was still drinking too much. I can't believe this was real. And she looked around the room, 
And it was like a big plastic box. And there was the camera and the recorder and the door that brought food and the larger door for them to come through. She tried to talk to them the last time they came. She tried to explain she needed to feed Joe now, but they looked perplexed. So she was trying to learn what she could with a little bit of information she had. She dreamed she was on a ridge west of town when the sun came up. She was at a small campsite with a guy, some older guy with a truck. It was cold, the air was clear and dry. The stars were still visible in the light blue sky. The moon was sitting on the western horizon as the sun set fire to the sky in the east. There was a rim of clouds that played with the orange light and the shades of red and pink that man had not found a way to make. The light changed slowly, and she felt like she would live forever in the truck bed. Maybe she would take the keys and drive the truck west and race the sun to the ocean. She could drive the thing right off the pier in Santa Monica and go into the water. Turn the radio up loud as the truck sank into the water. Maybe fish would come up to the windshield and look at her. She woke up. She was naked, and there was a disc with a paste squeezed out onto it. She smelled it, and it smelled like candy. She touched a finger to the stuff, and she rubbed it between her fingers. It was sticky, and it smelled good. She touched it to her tongue, and it tasted like fruit. So she dabbed the gel on her tongue until she had eaten all of that line. There were two other lines, and she assumed they would be other flavors. She repeated the tasting. The second one was like rotten milk and pennies, and she spit that out. The third was like a burnt taste with vinegar, and she thought she had tasted something like this before. She tried to remember all the food she had tried since leaving Caliente. There was a lot. She had tried everything new. She had made a trip to California, and it was something she ate she couldn't remember. She walked around the small room she was in, and she could smell herself. She had had sex that night, and she had had a bath or water since she had gotten here. She had, had not had a good look at what happened, what took her. She walked naked around the room, and she tried to remember the last few days. Then a thought occurred. She didn't really know how much time had passed. She felt her hair. It wasn't longer, and she laughed. It hadn't been too long. She sat on the floor and fell asleep. She dreamed about her sister Jessica. Jessica was quiet, and she seemed bitchy. Katrina asked why she was like that one hot day. Jessica said that she was scared of the men around town, scared of being raped. Katrina listened, and she thought about funny things to say, but she sensed that if she made a joke right now, they might never speak again. She loved Jessica, and she didn't say anything. They listened to the radio in their father's car, and they drove out of town when the sun sank, sank low. They went west to Alamo. They bought beer and gas, and they drove south until they could see the glow of Las Vegas. They went to Fremont and parked the car. They walked and talked all night. Their feet hurt, and they dipped them into the fountain at Caesar's Palace. A police officer walked by, looked at them, and touched the brim of his hat, but he didn't say anything. He kept walking. They went to a grocery store, and they bought bologna and bread and pickles and more beer. They met some boys, and the boys asked them to come to their house. And Jessica shook her head no, but Katrina said sure. Sure. 
she drove the car after the boys. When they came to the house, there were a lot of boys and older men there. Jessica refused to go inside, so Katrina went alone. Jessica sat outside, and minutes turned to hours. She sat in the car as the sun rose, and the day grew hot. A couple of young men came out of the house and tried to persuade her to come inside, and she asked them to send her sister out. After half the day was gone, Katrina emerged from the house wearing someone else's blue and black flannel shirt. Jessica was sweating and angry in the car. She was sipping a warm beer and stared hard at her sister as she came out. She unlocked the car door and slipped into the hot seat. Ouch, it's hot. Jessica looked hard at her and turned straight in the seat. Let's go home. They started driving, and Katrina reached over for her sister's hand. Jessica pulled her hand away and continued staring straight ahead. She didn't speak again on the ride, and when they came into Caliente, Katrina saw some friends drinking beer at the train station, so she pulled the car up. Jessica opened her door and walked away. That was the last time they talked. Katrina called Jessica when she was getting married, and Jessica didn't say anything after hello. Katrina said, I am getting married, and Jessica held the phone a few seconds and then hung up. She woke up and looked around the room. She felt sad. She hadn't felt sad in a long time. Was she going to die here? She had never let herself feel trapped or despair or obligation. She was the happiest person that she knew. She knew that she would die someday. She wondered if her son and husband were okay. She couldn't do anything about that. She wondered what these people were. They were not people. They were alien-looking. She laughed. Oh, my God. I've been kidnapped by aliens. She laughed again. She wouldn't let herself accept this. This was too funny. She had been in college, and the idea dawned on her that she didn't want to be there. She also didn't want to be married. She didn't want to wait for life. She went where she wanted to go. When she got pregnant, she decided that she would have the baby whether or not Joseph was ready. She was ready. She made the decision, and she didn't regret that. She didn't know where Joe was. He must be so hungry now. How many days had they been here? She didn't have any way to count time. It might have been a week, 10 days maybe. The time just went on and on. They brought the jail in different flavors. The light was always on and there was never an attempt to speak with her or get her to do anything. She had peed on the floor and they cleaned it when she slept. But she didn't need to shit. Maybe that was intentional with the jail. She saw the face of the aliens, things... She felt herself smile when she thought the word alien. This must be a dream. There is no way this is real. How could they just take her? She dreamed of the night they took her, and it was hazy. She was high and drunk. She went to the baby's room, and they ripped a hole in the wall. And she remembered just standing there as the hole opened up like a big bite through the wall. And she saw the thing stick its head through and look at her. Then it stepped into the trailer house, and she felt the footstep on the floor. She was barefoot. It was wearing a light boot. It looked like a Converse shoe but had no laces. The thing held up a hand, and another one came behind that one. 
This second one was smaller, and it turned on a blue light and walked back into Joe's room. She stepped forward, and it touched her with something. She saw a white flash, and she was unconscious. And she woke up in the small room. She didn't panic. She wasn't in pain. Nothing had really happened except being bored for a very long time. She could hear something out past the door. They were talking. Okay, my laptop just died. So that was part of a chapter in the book, and I hope that you like it. I'm closing my laptop here. I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast episode with a note um, that we all have dreams. I think that we all have dreams. We all have things that we want in our lives to happen, um, events. But if we don't make it happen, sometimes it's not going to happen. I wanted to be um, a writer a long time ago, but because it was a, not a common thing, not a common job for people to do, uh, I tried to do other things. That was a big mistake, and I'm trying to rectify that mistake I'm going to be 40 next year, and I am following my dream life, my best life. I hope to, I hope you'll follow me on this journey. Um, thank you. This has been the John 427 Podcast Reboot. This will be episode one. Thank you. God bless you. Have a fantastic year.